Well, you see, now that should be working. It should be sending sound through the various pipes that form the internet into your ears, uh, whether uh, in real time or uh, a little later, because that's the glory of technology. Evening, everyone. Um, it's Rail Natter. Episode 163, just how much more public transport does the UK need? It's 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 a classic page turn. We've got a report to look through. Before we do that, though, we have to uh, tip the hat to the... Uh, where are we? Let's get the old... You can see the mouse this time, look, because it's a PDF page turn, so I've got the mouse working. That's marvellous. Um, to the, uh, the, the, the Czech Railways Class 163. This... Look at this beast. Oh, my God. What an aesthetic. I love it. J just powerfully powerful vibes this is i mean where, where would you begin to describe this uh teal and cream nice livery it's a very nice color combination actually i like it a lot um boxy uh it has corrugations on the side oh my goodness it's, it's a it's a butte it's a butte detour is here in the chat as are all the faves hello all the faves look at you all michael c uh gareth we gareth uh Gareth Aethwy, I've I think that's right. Is that how I pronounced? Is that how you? Because I've never actually looked at your handle and thought how you would pronounce it in a oneer. Anyway, we've met in person. We've shared beer, uh, as have I with all of you who are at the live show. There will be another live show uh, at some point in the future. I'm, I'm not not going to do another one. It's just that you know life somewhat overtook me and got in the way. 163 uh, episodes. Uh, technically 164 for those who are Im embedded in the lore. Anyway, here it is. It's glorious. Uh, the Czech Railways um, uh, sort of logo is 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 retro, and I, I just like this. It's got this thing has portholes. You know, it's got it's it's got portholes. It has uh, enormous angular vents on the top. Uh, this one also has both of its pans raised. It, there's just a lot going on, and and, and I'm he I'm here for, for all of it. It's just it's a stubby looking thing. Anyway, I must. Uh, oh, Simon, look, everyone's here. Yes, right. Anyway, enough of this waffle. Everyone, welcome to tonight's rail natter. City 225 fades away. Um, oh, there's some interesting last-minute news, maybe. Uh, as the Intercity 225 fades away, um, the, the, the news, first of the news is, I might get one of these. This is not an e-scooter. It's just a regular-ass scooter, like the ones that became a big deal when I was uh, a kid, and they really became in. Uh, this one's about 100 quid from, uh, where is it from? From It's an adult scooter, and you can get it from Decathlon. Because uh, I, 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 I've got an E one, and actually I'm not getting enough exercise, and I, my bike is a bit out, is is out of commission at the moment. Needs some TLC. Also, I need to get a new one. Basically, the bike shop said, um, the bike shop returned to me, and they said, literally cheaper for you to buy a new bike than it would be for us to repair this. To which my response was, hmm. if it was my, if it was like the perfect bike rather than the one that I bought when I was a student, then I would just spend that money. It's fine because you know you keep the bike going. It's like like triggers broom. But uh, not if it's not the perfect bicycle, because I've been needing an excuse to buy the perfect bicycle. But then also, I, I ideally, I'd have gone for an e-scooter, like a, just got one of the lightweight e-scooter things. The trouble is, they ain't legal yet, because the government is just really slow to bring in legislation that's actually useful. Um, uh, interestingly enough, that's the same legislation that would create GBR. Anyway, um, yeah, share your thoughts. Should I get one of these? I don't know. Maybe, possibly. It's a thing that I, I've been mulling over. Anyway, I digress. Let us, of course, move to proper news. Um, because the proper news is that pe the people want level boarding, everyone. People know about and would like to see level boarding. And are people getting increasingly angry about the fact that um, level boarding is obviously a thing that can be achieved and is not being achieved? They're uh, rightly so. Anna Hughes, Eat Sleep Cycle on Twitter. Um, it's unacceptable that modern trains don't have level access. This one does. We're referring to the picture on the left. It's a Stadler, by the way. And this one does not. The picture on the right. It's uh, an Electrostar derivative Aventra type machine. Um, these trains are both introduced about the same time. Actually, the Aventra was a lot later. Um, accessibility issues are not new. Why on earth is this happening? Well, you know what, Anna Hughes? Excellent question. So let's just zoom in on her pictures. 
as you can see, for some reason, hearts are just constantly appearing in the corner of the live chat. It's fun. I'm glad that's happening. I presume that's people tapping like. Hello to everyone in the chat who is tapping like. People are saying e-bike. I can't afford an e-bike at this point, um, sadly. Um, so 100 quid, yes. 500 quid for a new bike, question mark. 1,500 quid for an e-bike. Oof. Um, people want level boarding. As we know, this side, level boarding. I mean, it's not, don't get me wrong. Level boarding, like... The, the the Stadler solution is by far you know, it's not perfect, you know there are there's a slight gap and it's not it doesn't necessarily work for everyone, um in a wheelchair there's a, there's enough of a gap this is a platform that's been set to the correct offsets, but uh, this is a starting point we have a starting point here whereas the old this which you can't quite see but there is an angle here so if I, I tell you what if I just clear that the, the vertical here and then horizontal here which means there's a there's quite the angle this this being about what like about 250 millimeters in 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 distance here that's about 250 um that is just not you, you can't get your wheelchair on there that's just you do not have independent access why because the, the floor of the train is about 200 millimeters higher than the platform this is rubbish as uh and i po rightly points out this is absolutely rubbish it's these trains shouldn't have been procured full stop they should have just gone for stadler's outright um, and yes, uh, if you want to know, know more about this, if, for anyone who's not watched this before, um, uh, episode 31 is where we talk about how you deliver level boarding, and episode 128 is where we talk about where Simon and I, hello Simon, uh, who's on the, in the chat at the moment, uh, episode 128, have Stadler really built Britain's best train fleet? Y the answer is yes, and spoiler alert, and uh, level boarding is a key component in that. Um, Deidre is saying, sorry, Detoa is saying, Deidre, I, I should just use your handle here rather than saying your name, but anyway, sorry. Detour is saying the pictures, videos of new rolling stock uh, designed in Ireland with level boarding is looking very nice. Agreed. Whose fleet? Is that a Stadler fleet as well? I think it, I mean, it looks suspiciously like it. But anyway, um, yes. Uh, so, yeah, someone, uh, Michael says someone with no, no mobility issues who once fell over when getting off an Electrostar. I support level boarding. Absolutely. It's for absolutely everyone. For sure. Um, fully agree. Deidre, uh, you've got DMs, by the way, uh, from me. Anyway, uh, right. Driverless cars are impossible. It's the news, folks, and this is some fun news. We all knew this, but um, if we if we just go to... I don't know why I wasn't using the Wacom. So BYD is an organization... Like, lots of Western investors in the Chinese company BYD um, and, uh, like, Warren Buffett and all sorts of people because they're basically the furthest ahead in the technology. They're the furthest ahead um, in the actual self-driving technology, and they've said... Fully autonomous driving is basically impossible. This is what they've said. They've said it's basically impossible. The technology would be better applied to manufacturing, according to the Chinese battery and electric car manufacturer, BYD. Yes. Literally saying this here, that it's basically impossible. What, I've been saying this for as long as I've known that they that someone thought this is a good idea. But um, yes, very much. They're saying there may be many industries and businesses that invest a lot of money on this tech, and after investing for many years, it will prove it leads nowhere. Um said the spokesperson for this company in Mandarin and translated by CNBC. Uh, there we go. Um, uh, piece on CNBC. You can go and have a look. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting read. It entirely confirms that the, the, what I've been saying, driverless cars, it's an impossibility. So many people going, oh, it isn't an impossibility. It's going to happen. Uh, how can you say it's not going to happen? I can say it's not going to happen because we have lots of experience of this because they've been trying to make it happen for decades. The first trials were in the, the first kind of reasonable trials were in the 1950s technology has moved on almost infinite like so much since then and yet we are literally no further forwards so by that projection it's quite reasonable to say that for another 60 years we're going to be no further forwards like if we've had a, almost a quantum change in the level of technology provision you know the the technology that that now compared to what the autonomous vehicles were using in the 1950s is just incomparable and yet for that enormous infinite leap in technology there has been zero improvement to the capability of these vehicles they basically go around in circles in a little loop it's just it's it, yeah so you know it's quite reasonable to come to the conclusion it's impossible and also it's not we don't live in an infinite a world of infinite resources you know the real world is happening this technology doesn't just magically californian the Californian attitude or the Californian sort of um, uh, approach to technology, the idea that it just keeps getting better and, and everything's marvellous as a result of that, that's a false, that's, it's, it's, it's a deep, deep fallacy. Uh, the reality is that we have things like climate change and very limited resources that will become far, far more critical and pressing on society to the point where we will give this stuff up. 
so it's not you know it's not just that the technology at some point you know we're going to have infinite improvements in technology so at some point we'll be able to do it no no, no. the real world exists other pressures will have, will come about anyway um so uh driverless cars are impossible meanwhile um obviously we know that in britain car policy is 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 king uh not just because the the secretary of state for transport said as much as we said last week last week but also because um our transport decarbonization plan is based around electric vehicles and so on but increasing numbers of uh, as you know i've been saying this other people have been saying this center for alternative technology the ccc many people saying that um it's not just that we can have rely on electric vehicles. We have to cut driving. And actually, the, the Green, Green Alliance have, have commissioned a report that says we need to cut driving by 20% to curb emissions. That's, that's a sizable reduction in, in driving. 20% reduction in driving. Um, uh, we also have... So that's a good... Uh, go, go and have a look at that report by Green Alliance UK. Uh, we also have uh, Giulio Mattioli here sharing um, a paper by uh, Lisa Winkler, Drew Pierce, uh, Jenny Nelson, and Oyatun Babakan, um, Basically saying the effect of sustainable mobility transition policies on cumulative urban transport emissions and energy demand. Uh, essentially, this is a new study in Nature Communications finding that as well as implementation of emission reducing changes in vehicle design, a rapid and large scale reduction in car use is necessary to meet stringent carbon budgets. This isn't rocket science. This is absolutely key. Also, as exactly as people point, as Tom is saying, for example, everyone forgets about the impact of tires on um, on kind of particulate emissions. Tires are the biggest source of plastic uh, particulates on on the planet right now, and that's only going to get worse as as vehicles get heavier. Also, roads and and structures and parking lots cannot cope with the extra weight from 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 EVs. That just we we have to reduce the percentage of vehicles on the road, as we've discussed many many times. Um, and indeed, that's what this sort of finishing the news. That's what this TUC report is about. Let's get my miniaturized face in the corner. Hello, everyone. Uh, trans support. There we are. Uh, just, uh, just uh, if I go big face for a moment here, get the merch, everyone, get the merch. Look, there it is. Um, anyway, sorry, I digress. <laughs> Public transport, fit for the climate emergency. This report we're going to be flicking through today. Uh, TUC have published it, um, and it is going to talk about. You know, they've got looked at some of these numbers in more detail, um, and uh, it's something that we should should really be looking looking through. Which is exactly what we're going to do. But before we do that, we have to talk about the TUC and their tiny little logo because, for various reasons, uh, they don't make there, there is no SVG version of their logo freely available, which is uh, interesting to be honest. So it means I've got, you've got to deal with this highly pixelated and small version of their logo. Uh, none of you mind; it's fine. What is the TUC? Uh, it's a trade union congress. It is a every country has one or more. Um, what they call them national centres, trade union national centres. Well, this is the one. Um, yes, this, this, so this one uh, is the UK's uh, kind of collective body that collects up all the unions. Most of the unions are in it. Um, Frances O'Grady was the general secretary until replaced by someone else recently. She stepped down. Anyway, um, I think I'm pretty sure most of the unions are in, in here and they do research work. Lots of unions do research work. In fact, there's pretty diligent research teams in lots of the unions because generally the unions have to do research to understand the shape of work and the shape of you know, the type of work that they cover and so they can understand how best to represent their members. Uh, yeah, trade, trade unions, unions are good. It's good. Anyway, let's talk about this. Let's, in fact, let's do, let's do the thing that you all want me to do, which is bring the report up because it's a page turn. I haven't done one of these in a while. How do we do page turns again? <laughs> right. Um, uh, uh, George De Silva surprised I didn't mention the DFT redesign at Euston. It's just, there's only so many times you can say the same thing, which is government is stupid. They're just making a deli they're deliberately bulldozing, you know, deliberately, uh, so to speak, bulldozing HS2 to make as, as little of it. They're trying to wreck it as much as possible for the next general election. That's basically the plan. Uh, there's not much more to say on that. Anyway, here we go. Uh, public transport fit for the climate emergency. More services, more jobs, less emissions. I mean, we agree with all that stuff. Um, so here you can see we've got the, T the, the TUC, uh, ASLEF, the RMT, TSSA, Unite, all collaborating on this. And uh, people from uh, ex-Campaign for Better Transport, Andrew Allen, Mark Barry, um, who we know from University of Cardiff. Um, uh, we know Jonathan Brain, Tom Ellison from Urban Transport Group. Um, Mal Drew Rose, I uh, don't actually know Mal, um, hello Mal, Tom Forth, uh, friend of the show, Robert French, um, who is a, who's the author of uh, Bus and Train uh, user there, uh, J James Hammett from UK Trams, uh, 
Dan Hayes, I don't know Jan, Jeff Hobbs from TFL, Stephen Joseph, uh, yes, no, Stephen, Dave Powell, there he is, Dave Powell, our boy, level boarding um, from the Liverpool City Region Combined Authority, Liam Robinson, again from Elka, I don't know, uh, Trevor Rosenberg from Travel Watch, and Maggie Simpson from the RFG. Uh, the reason I named all those people is because it gives you an idea of the sorts of people who are bouncing around, uh, and, and who are experts in this stuff. I need to arrange my lighting rig better. I cannot tell you the extent to which this is horrendously jerry-rigged. In fact, I can, because uh, I can put you into... Uh, I can put desk cam on and show you that this this thing is, is literally like just resting. It's just resting on the top of these monitors. It's fine. Anyway, um, sorry, I digress. Right, we want to get through this thing before the end of the day, so let's get on with this thing. We have... How many pages do we have? Quite a few appendices... It's 50 pages to get through here. Let's, let's okay, so that's only we generally okay. There's a forward here, fine. We, we, we don't worry about the forward, we don't worry about the executive summary because that's we, that we, we, we're going to go through that stuff anyway. Um, uh, people are enjoying the uh, trans support uh hoodie uh on uh Adam Evans. I'm glad it's very soft, that's nice. It won't last when you wash it a couple of times, anyway. Introduction. Climate change, although dangerously advanced, remains a choice. Climate breakdown is not inevitable. We have the knowledge and the means to drastically cut greenhouse gas emissions and stabilise the climate at 1.5 degrees Celsius. What they mean by that is 1.5 degrees Celsius above baseline average temperature. Um, a world-class public transport system is also a choice and is within our reach. The current deregulated and fragmented system we have in Britain outside London is not inevitable. We have the knowledge and means to create a comprehensive, fully integrated, reliable and affordable public transport system fit to address the climate emergency. Okay, good. good yeah, we, we, we all agree with this stuff. This is going to be... I'm not going to pay, flick through this word by word. You're going to see how I would be looking at it if I had an hour to... Well, half an hour, 45 minutes to, to whiz through it. So let, let's do this thing. So, okay, we know that... Section 2, climate crisis, need for action. Okay, we, we, we know this stuff. So we know greenhouse gas emissions uh, largely from the different types of transport, mostly from, uh, from transport primarily, and then the fact that that's mostly from cars... Um, so fine da, 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 da. Um, we cannot rely on electric vehicles alone to decarbonize transport even with the ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars and vans by 2030 and a zero emission vehicle mandate most cars on the road will still be fossil fueled in 2030 that's the key point absolutely key point New cars are only a small proportion uh, of the total number of cars on the road and thus it'll take many years at a feasible rate of churn to replace all of those vehicles with EVs there we go Interestingly, they cite the government's transport decarbonisation plan. Um, yeah, the trouble is this is the only thing that they say in that bloody thing, because we did a page turn on it, remember. Increasing car occupancy and encouraging public transport use are two measures that can immediately cut transport's carbon emissions. But the government has not come up with a plan to actually deliver this. There's no... Uh, and they also didn't provide the underlying data in support of the national carbon targets. They they have actually now. They they have actually provided this. There's no there are no national targets for modal shift or traffic reduction. Oh look, that's a thing I've been saying. And uh, in July 2022, uh, the High Court ruled that the government's net zero strategy was in breach of the Climate Change Act by failing to produce detailed climate plans to meet carbon targets. The government now has until March 2023 to come up with those detailed plans. They haven't provided them. Um. Anyway, there we go. Uh, the CCC uh, have warned that electric vehicles must not be the sole focus, with action also needed on demand and modal shift. The government has made the significant step of acknowledging the need to limit traffic growth and has provided significant funding to some key areas, but has not set a specific ambition or used all its available levers. It now needs to go further to set this aspect of the sectoral pathway in motion. Um, also, the subnational transport bodies saying, you know, decarbonisation requires a step change in the way we view and plan connectivity. So all this stuff is happening. All these discussions are being said, you know, all, all these discussions being had, all the statements saying that there is a desperate need to shift people away from cars, shift us away from private transport. Um, but then they're acknowledging the fact that with cuts to public transport funding, the government are in danger of going backwards on transport decarbonisation. Well, they're not in danger, but they're doing it. They're doing it now. It's happening. The fuel duty freeze has resulted in more carbon being sent into the atmosphere than we will ever save by the stuff that's in this report, ironically. Um, just a simple policy decision that can screw us over horrendously. Anyway, we need to reduce car traffic by 2030. That's what we have to do. Um, government is committed to deliver by 2030 local public transport connectivity across the country significantly closer to the standards of London. They've promised that. So all these promises, this is basically a report going, all these promises are here. So we look at existing levels of public transport and the potential for increase. Pre-COVID, the passenger distance travelled by car far exceeded that travelled by public transport in every region and nation, as Table 1 shows. I'm glad they've used the pre-COVID numbers, to be honest. Um, 
da 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 Right, so what have we got here? We're looking at the different regions. Uh, there's uh, da -da -da -da, outside of Scotland. So we're including Wales. We're not including Scotland. So it's England and Wales and not London. Partly because transport is not fully devolved in Wales, so I can understand that making sense. Fine. So we've got... Let's, let's go to Yorkshire and Humber. So my part of the country right now, 55,000 passengers come up kilometres by... Sorry, 55... That's 55... Is that million... Let's see. I guess that's million passenger kilometres per year. So that's... 55... Is that 55 billion? No, it is... Yes, it is. That's 55 billion um, pasture kilometres um, in Yorkshire and Humber. Only one, or nearly two billion bus, rail, light, travel, well, the tram, the light rail doesn't exist. Tram, 80, not very much at all. Um, and I don't know what, what even is that? Yorkshire and Humber, where, where is that? Yorkshire and Humber, is that like just about included? Oh yeah, that will include, must include Sheffield. Does it? Yeah, I guess it must include Sheffield. Is that right? Yeah, okay. I'm puzzled by the, the that 80 figure. Anyway, people might know in the chat. Yeah, anyway. Um, anyway, right, I digress. Uh, train, 4 billion. So a decent amount of distance covered by train in that. So we've got 6 billion versus 55 billion passenger kilometres uh, a year. Pretty spectacular difference, right? That's an enormous difference. Um, so it's giving us an idea of how much isn't moved by uh, public transport. So let's see. So across the regions, you can see that rail is actually accounting for a substantial amount of the distance. So often people say bus is more important. Well, no. Bus and rail are equally important for different things. So rail generally does the longer distances, but as a result of that, it accounts for more passenger kilometres and more emissions. So bus, whereas bus accounts for more journeys. So more journeys by bus, more passenger kilometres by train. That's that's kind of a key thing to understand. Oh, the Northeast has a decent amount. It's saying tram. I'm guessing that means Tynanway Metro, which is not a tram. Anyway, never mind. Fine. Um, so there we go. So there's some, some, some numbers here. So fine. We understand the fact that we've got... Um, so they've been a bit, a, bit, a bit of methodology, but I'm willing to trust their methodology here. They're, they're relying on the National Transport Survey, um, average regional trip distances, and then passenger trip. Okay, that's quite reasonable. Owen O'Neill, if there's, could probably challenge this. Detour also could challenge this. Sheffield counted in the Yorkshire and Humber region, so yeah, it's the super tram that's within Yorkshire and Humber. Thanks, thanks, Deidre. Um, yeah, Sheffield, South Yorkshire, so it's been lumped in with Yorkshire. So I'm used to seeing Yorkshire and Humber not including South Yorkshire, which is why I'm a little bit stumped on that one. Anyway, fine. Um, so, what were they saying? Buses are best used form of transport, yeah. So they're talking about in terms of journeys... Um, one quarter of the adult population use buses. Um, fine, fine, fine. Doesn't account for the most passenger kilometres, though, as we discussed. Uh, trams, efficient, low-carbon form of transport, provide predictable, regular, and reliable journey times and service patterns combined with higher passenger carrying capacity. We know all that stuff. Fine. <laughs> well, they've done a box for the definition of light rail. Uh, light rail covers a range of different systems the most familiar being trams. This is the Gareth Dennis box here, which is very good. For the purpose of this report, any reference to light rail trams are for systems which predominantly reallocate space from roads rather than tram train systems where trams run on both an urban tramway network and on mainline railways. Okay, fine. So they're kind of... This is what the problem with the definition is, is that oh, it starts looking messy and it's better to use the not-a-metro sort of approach. But anyway, rail is the backbone of the public transport system, enabling large numbers of people to be moved efficiently in and out of congested urban areas. Yada, yada. Um... Fine, good stuff. Uh, also, they mentioned freight. Freight is a key part of an integrated transport system. Excellent, I'm glad they're mentioning freight. Uh, yeah, and there's a whole big box here on the importance of rail freight, so that's good stuff. So grabbing how critical it is. So there's some good stats, as ever with these kind of reports. They're, they often don't create anything new, but they're capturing a load of stats that we, us, all of us here, can use in, in fighting the battles we need to fight. It's very dark. Oh, that's why. I forgot to do that. There we go. Um, so by we've got some stats. So fine, good stuff. Um. And then the box three, upgrade of the West Coast mainline benefit pass benefits passengers and local economies. Yeah, there we go. The transformation of the West Coast mainline resulted in a doubling of passengers in 15 years. Uh, this, uh, the 9 billion, actually, it's it's a lot more than that. They've That 2021 price thing is not quite right because the upgrade of the West Coast mainline is 25 billion in 2021 prices. I think they're possibly optimistically quoting the original price rather than the full final price. I, yeah, hmm. Because eight point nine billion in the year in the in the, the money that they've 
the West Coast Mainline route modernization might have been that much. I think it's about nine billion in in the original price time frame, but that's not twelve point four billion in. 2021 price it's a lot more than that anyway it's definitely a useful project but the benefits of that were absorbed by within about two years um which is funny so yeah this is good yes but also the benefits were absorbed in in moments two years it took for that for that those benefits to be released which is impressive anyway uh, there's growing evidence that we need to reduce car mileage by at least 20% and possibly by much more by 2030 compared to 2019 levels. There we are. So we did the Green Alliance UK just published that paper which said 20%, so that's fine. The requirement for a minimum of 20% car mileage reduction is the basis for our analysis of the necessary increase in public transport. Okay, so this actually provides a basis to understand what extra public transport we need. Potentially also a future rail matter where we look at how on earth you could deliver that. Scotland and Wales have set traffic reduction targets and modal shift targets for public transport. But there are no such targets at a UK, England or English regional level. Hmm. Uh, that's a thing I've been saying a lot, isn't it? There is no... Yeah. Even like Midlands Connect have said, there is no doubt that mass transit solutions, particularly in cities, will need to be revolutionised. Yeah, yeah. But say by how much and then you can say what the thing, what the change will be. Proportion of total miles travelled by car and van drivers in 2019 by average trip distance. Here's a nice breakdown of the different types of journeys. So we're seeing there's a, the, the biggest chunk, actually, is journeys of 10 to 25 miles, which actually are very well suited to rail. Those are good rail distances. They're not necessarily as well suited to bus. Bus cover, if you, if you lump in uh, sort of 0 to 10 miles, that's about, the, what is that? That's about the same. So 28%. Uh, then if you include the small stuff it's more so bus uh, nicely accounts for like most of the trips there so what is that three so it's a 31 percent kind of bus and then all the rest of the journeys are really suitable for rail so you know um particularly long distance stuff but but 10 to 25 miles is really rail domain as well so you can see in terms of that breakdown rail conforms the majority but those categories those, those breakdowns are fairly arbitrary so that doesn't mean anything anyway um it's the mileage rather than the number of trips that's important in terms of reducing carbon so yes the majority of trips are less than five miles those only account for 15 percent pedro j uk pete you're in here pete johnson's in here i know you're watching this this is your stat that you bring out a lot um there's only account for 50 percent of the distance it's the car van trips over 10 miles that account for the majority of the distance and carbon so I'm massively pro-bus. I'm a pro-bus guy. But all of this is saying that rail is the is the part of the tra- public transport system that needs to step up, really, for this. Um, so they said, we've assumed that 10% of total car mileage will be reduced through measures such as working from home, user remote technologies, destination shifting, better land use planning, and more car sharing. That's So that's, they've assumed that half of the reduction in road usage, in private vehicle usage, sorry, motor traffic usage, comes from demand reduction. So that that's a pretty reasonable assumption um there's a methodology in appendix two that shows this is plausible um fine so uh, this 10 percent combined reduction is in the absence of any restraint measures or incentives and additional reductions could be achieved through restraints on car travel road pricing reduction of parking provision etc so that means the other 10 percent can be reduced by mode shift um and this is a minimum amount so that's quite neat so that's what they've assumed they've assumed 10 percent reduction and a 10 percent shift now I my double so the figure that I give of doubling rails capacity by 2050 comes from a my assumed 10% shift mode shift from road to rail which interestingly enough is precisely what has been given here which is really interesting um so uh, yes sorry go on uh, do shout do do shout things uh also, yeah, it's a very good point, Xander. You're saying that bus numbers are small in relation to rail because bus uh, qual- bus service provision is so rubbish. Um, uh, Jack Elliott is also rightly saying there's something to be said of getting people out of their cars for the short, common journeys um, because that'll get them out of their cars for long journeys too. Longer journeys too, yeah, absolutely. If people have decided they don't need a car, then they're less likely to use a car um, if they decide they don't need one because all their regular local journeys are car-free. Um, see also a lot of people in london anyway um so there we go so this means um 28 to 45 percent of that of those journeys could be shifted to bus sorry 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 bus and tram i'm not breathing properly uh 41 to 69 percent could be shifted to rail so, so there we go so that's an estimate of the of the future public transport levels needed okay fine so this then goes to each region and how much extra bus and how much extra rail it needs 
What's interesting here is you can pick out the regions where you need the biggest increase. And what I would like to do, if I may, oh, forgive me. I'm about to just, I'm going to do a thing which I uh, should have done and should have thought ahead on, but I've just thought of it now. I'm going to go into my permanent institution teaching material and I'm going to pull up, uh, yeah, I'm going to pull up, there we are, uh, this. In fact, let's get it out of here. So I won't go through the whole thing because at some point I'll just do it as a, a rail narrow. Let me go down to, there we go. Uh, I need to go to the investment across the regions. There we are. That's what I wanted. Uh, just maximize this. So bear in mind what I had there. What are the, the, the two regions that require the biggest change? The southwest there uh, in both counts. Okay, so buses, it's pretty much across the board. Uh, that's because buses have been decimated by this government. So let's put bus to one side because bus doesn't necessarily require massive infrastructure. Buses are cheap. You can roll them out really nicely and easily. It's just that governments, uh, successive governments of all colours and stripes, have been have just hate buses because they hate us. But if you look at rail, which requires public transport investment, that's where you can see, I think there's a correlation here. The correlation I want to pick up on is, let's have a look at this. So um, the area with the biggest change required is the East Midlands. Let's bring back this presentation. Oh, look, the East Midlands is the big chunky red line. Historically, the two areas with the lowest regional investment, uh, this is UK transport investment per head by region, are the East Midlands and the Southwest. Wales is a little pink line, not actually doing too badly. Wales does all right for itself. Um, let's just go back here. What are the two areas that need the biggest investment? Ah, well, okay, Wales is there requiring more investment. Fine. But the Southwest is... Uh, third place and East Midlands second place. I, I, I'm not going to labour this point, but it's interesting that this historic lack of investment here um, is that that historic lack of investment is reflected in how much extra work we need to do to get to get to kind of or how much extra capacity we actually need on those systems. I think that's an interesting point to, to pick up, which is why I, why I did so. Comparison with other studies. Um, the Confederation of Passenger Transport have estimated the bus passenger uh, kilometres need to increase by two-fifths, 41% by 2030, compared to 2019 levels to meet carbon targets. Although this is lower than our estimates, it also suggests a step change in patronage is needed. Yes, yeah, so it's just a bit of useful to kind of pick that up. Um, these estimates should be regarded as an absolute minimum for the scale of increase needed and maybe much higher if, say, the number of fossil-fueled cars on the road by 2030 is higher than expected. If this happens and we need to reduce car mileage by, say, 30% rather than 20%, then the increase in public transport will need to be roughly double that shown in Table 2. This is the challenge in front of us. Enormous changes to the amount of public transport required. Um, people are saying, so what the number says, reverse the beach and cuts ASAP. Uh, no. And a beach and klaxon just went off. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what it says. Um, see also all previous discussions on beaching. Forget beaching. Forget that. Firstly, beaching had nothing to do with it. If we're talking about the, the, the mid-20th century contraction in the size of the rail network, then um, that's something that... Okay, there are challenges there, and most of the challenges are actually about the suburban network, not the rural network. But... We need the rail network for today, not the rail network that as it looked in the 60s. So forget the way the rail network looked. What we need to do is look at what the rail network should look like for the future. If that happens to coincide with where there's a bit of old railway line, then great. That makes the civil engineering a bit easier. But forget the former rail network. Look at what the rail network needs to look like in the future. So forget there's a massive beaching klaxon going off uh, in the background there. Um, just forget beaching. Anyway, um, that's a t-shirt, isn't it? That's the next. That's that's the next thing in merch is, is forget beaching. That's there. There we go. Uh, right. Anyway, someone remind me of that because I will absolutely forget. So right. Fine. Uh, yes. So future public transport levels needed in London. They've not included London in the estimates. Uh, there we go. Um, da -da 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 -da. So the Mayor of London has set an ambitious target for London to be net zero carbon by 2030 compared to the UK target 2050. This will require more ambitious reductions in car mileage compared to other English regions and action at a London level in a time frame that goes beyond that which is supported or funded at national level. Yes, fine. Um, it aims for 80% of trips in London to be about walking cycling public transport by 2041. Um, so there's a lot of, let's see, substantial amount. Oh, there's, there's, there's a lot of text here. So this is basically saying, uh, yeah, we're just saying good stuff in London too. That's fine. Um, 
Uh, right, let me have a think here. So there's there's lots of London stuff. Let's let's not basically London needs to do a lot more. It's talking about the fact that London is not get is has not is not centrally funded. That which is ridiculous. That that needs to be reversed, absolutely reversed. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we see a lot saying look, don't level down London. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like government should be funding London as it was before it decided to cut before Boris and 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 Gideon uh, agreed to cut the the funding collectively. But also, um. We need to be funding, you know, this this thing that I had here, this. Um, if you make all of these equal to London, so if you have regional investment of £1,000 per head for every region, that ain't going to cut it because that's not going to reverse the decades of inequality. You're going to have to double the spending outside of London to catch up with London, if not more. So regional spending should be double, at least double what it is in London to catch up with where London was. So anyway, there we go. That's 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 a key point for everyone to grasp. Let me uh, let me continue with on here. So, what levels of additional investment are needed? Right. So, obviously, there's operational funding for particularly buses, um, and so let's have a look. So, the additional costs here are by the different uh, per region. Uh, also, we have to reduce fares. So, they're looking at also thinking about reducing fares. So, it's fare reduction and then additional operational funding for more services. Um, so, let's have a let's have a look at this one. So, da 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 da. Um, yeah, if fares aren't reduced, then an alternative approach would be to re introduce measures that dramatically increase motoring costs to make public transport cost competitive with driving, an approach that would also generate a revenue stream to support public transport. This approach would require some sort of concession for low-paid workers who rely on cars and have no alternatives but to drive. I, I, I'm less of a fan of this. I'm more of a fan of, well, I mean, we should be making driving more expensive anyway, but we should also be tackling fares and they can meet in the middle. So here's the estimates of additional um, operating costs. So as I say, let's go to Yorkshire. There a billion quid extra in Yorkshire for rail and nearly a billion quid extra in bus and tram. So that's two billion, basically the best part of two billion quid. The Northwest, two and a half billion, two billion in the East Midlands. Sounds fair. Um, this is not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> like, remember that the NHS has rightly has you know the best part of 150 billion spent on it a year so increasing funding for public transport this is also not a zero-sum game because you increase that funding you're going to make savings i mean firstly for the nhs because people will be healthier because there'll be less air pollution you know and people will be more active because they won't have a car as default you know there are lots of benefits to all this stuff um so all these bits so kind of uh this stuff then we go through the west midlands two and a half billion east of england 2.3 billion uh southeast uh, a substantial chunk um uh what is that best part of four billion two and a half billion in the southwest wales so basically it's saying annually up to 23 or even 24 billion quid extra in operational costs for public transport across the board it's a sizable chunk um, other studies produce numbers in a similar ballpark. For example, the additional cost of providing a comprehensive bus service to all rural areas in England with services to every village every hour is estimated to cost around three billion a year. Um, so they've included. We've referenced that in previous rail hours, haven't we? So um, yeah, those billions are operational costs, not investment. So that's the annual operational costs. But that it's not just that you're throwing that money down the down the drain. You're getting a return in terms of you know if you're reducing vehicle miles, you're reducing the costs to have to maintain roads. You're increasing the health of society. You're increasing productivity because you're actually improving economies because public transport makes economies work better. So you're actually going to increase the productivity of the country. So you'll increase tax revenue anyway. Um, we increased tax revenue by like 88 billion last year. So you know, just by the fact, just by various kind of machinations and changes and, and and sort of the way that money works. So the idea of this being a thing to to be balked at is is bonkers. So that's the operational revenue. So that's the money that that's the extra that that is kind of the extra money you'd have to spend out of taxes annually, kind of. Even though it, even that kind of doesn't work that way. But taking a fairly conventional economic view, that's just extra that you'd have to spend in in, in annual income that would be going back into, you know operational spend for public transport fine good do that um but then capital funding so this is a much bigger uh, these are going to be much bigger numbers and this is kind of uh, so that was annual oh no sorry this is by 2030 oh no no, no that I'm, sorry let me just read this correctly yes it is per year sorry that was right that was per year yes so that was per year so that's 23 billion ish extra a year in total in operating spend this is capital investment by 2035. Um, so this is so actually kind of remarkably small numbers, relatively speaking. 
So the additional capital costs, um, estimated average additional capital investment needed for buses by 2035. So this is, okay, right, this is why the numbers are so small. So, okay, they're looking at, in total, so in operational spend every year, this they're looking at about the same capital spend, or maybe 25 billion of capital spend split over every year up to, up to 2030. So, um, well, it's not very long till 2030. This is the decade we're supposed to be doing stuff. But you can see, that's 25 billion. That's a, that's a good chunk, but it's not nothing to be sniffed at. But they've, they've usefully listed off a kind of a, a, an assumption of economic benefits here. Uh, and they say the economic benefits are about 70 billion. So, you know, it pays for itself. Easy, fine. Um, comparison with other studies. So, again, I'm, I'm glad they do this. I'm glad they're picking this out. Uh, they're kind of they're spending, you know, so Scottish government spending half a billion in bus priority measures. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, fine. There's a discussion of similar numbers there, basically. Uh, we're going to jump over trams because I, trams are good and we should have more trams. But the fact that we don't have many trams at the moment kind of skews these numbers. And in a way, I think the balance between bus and tram, it's almost worth kind of capturing those together as, as, as if you like, sort of um, uh, on-street suburban trans, you know, on-street urban transport. You kind of collect them two together because they kind of serve similar markets, really. Um, fine. So, so that I'm going to park. I'm going to kind of just park tram for now. Yes, they said we need to spend more. I mean, we need to expand it. So they're saying we need to add extra tram networks. So you know, da 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 da. Um, so they're saying basically to match kind of the equivalent length in 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 France, and assuming a kind of a forty million per kilometer capital cost, it means fourteen billion to expand to to kind of create all that light rail. That's not much. It would treble the amount of track length compared to the existing network. Um, but it would be much less than the existing track length in, say, Germany, for example. Compared, and again, they're using light rail, which isn't a hugely useful comparison. Um, so, um, there we go. There's, there's a bit of stuff on, on tram. But rail, big rail, heavy rail, which again doesn't exist, just rail. The capital cost of heavy rail can vary greatly depending on local circumstances. Fine, fine, fine. There's no detailed national rail strategy. Correct. Uh, uh, yeah, the delays to government's rail network enhancements pipeline... Uh, how many days is it now? Like nearly two, like the best part of 2,000 days since they last published it. Just absolutely shocking. Um, blah, 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 blah. GBR is developing a high-level 30-year strategy, but many in the industry are calling for a detailed delivery plan. Yes, uh, me. I'm one of those people. Um, I don't I don't know if specifically, in fact, I, I, they won't be specifically citing me. I'm, I'm a nobody. But anyway. Um, so they've, they've published some rail cost figures. It's interesting. So... What the, there's a bit of a, a bit of stuff that they've included. So they're, they're talking about like electrification spend. Uh, there, there's some assumptions about infrastructure spend. Let's see what the numbers are. So additional rail investment. So this is annualized as per head. They've deliberately avoided. Oh no, they haven't. The first column is how much in total. So they're saying interestingly, they're saying by 2035 we need to spend 90 billion um, additional. So that's on top of the money being spent on uh, current NAF clipped wings HS2. So basically the best part of 200 billion quid by 2035. Well, that is, that would cover building NPR, well, building the Trans-Pennine high-speed line in full. It would cover the additional high-speed connectivity uh, in the Northeast, that I think is a good idea. And it would cover all of the suburban rail upgrades that are generally, you know, billion, two billion, three billion here or there. Uh, cross City Line in Birmingham, for example, um, that's that's probably a five billion project. Uh, the uh, building out uh, Pickvic uh, combined with high speed, by the way, that, that'll come soon. David, I know you're watching. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, Manchester's underground railway combined tunnel for both suburban and high speed lines, That that's probably a, a five billion quid project those are the sorts of things that on top of the the, the, the 36 billion for the new high speed line across the pennines so let's call it 50 billion that gives you 50 billion in change that's plenty to do a huge number of pretty transformative uh, urban and suburban transit projects for rail everywhere uh you know freight stuff as well um it would allow you to double uh kind of felix Stowe to kind of get felix Stowe ely doubled and, and and so on and so forth ely north junction all this good stuff um all that good stuff. Uh, I, I, so that for me feels like a good number, really. That kind of using my gut feeling on what stuff is going to cost, that feels quite reasonable. And I do have an upcoming episode talking about how much the new high-speed lines would cost in terms of, 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 of reaching the final end point of, of high-speed rail projects. So, yeah, interesting. That, that, that matches for me. So it's additional rail investment um, 
uh, on top of uh, and they're saying okay there's extra gva good because they're, they're using gva to kind of highlight how much this this creates a benefit which is fine um let's also look at the the regions so so this is going total capital investment across the board the total is about 120 billion by 2035 sounds good and every year a reminder every year that's only 10 billion it's not that much it's not that much. 10 billion quid extra capital spend every year. That's just nothing. It's so little. Um, it was 12 billion extra a year that the um, that was estimated by... Who was it who estimated? But the NEF, wasn't it? The NEF estimated 12 billion extra in transport expenditure. So, again, if we're comparing estimates, that's, that's pretty good. I wonder if they've got that here, actually. They don't. They're comparing with National Infrastructure Commission. Yeah, screw those guys. That's Treasury. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Comparison with present evidence expenditure... Yeah, so it's doubling that. Uh, the cost of a single large road scheme. Uh, yeah, so it's a single cost of a single large road scheme is you know nine billion quid for lower Thames crossing. Yeah, yeah, so it's fine. And uh, current estimates. So there's some some sort of stuff going on there. Fine, fine, fine. A little bit of comparison. The funding for this can be provided in a variety of ways. So getting rid of the strategic road network spending, just get rid of that sixty billion, burn that, as in don't burn it. Uh, just get rid of that. Yep. So just get boil that away. Use that. Uh, bring rail and buses back into public ownership to avoid leakage of profits. Um, I mean, yes, I don't think the number that will actually make that much difference in terms of extra money for capital spend, to be honest. Um, but I mean, it's not a bad idea anyway. See, eyes passing. Uh, some form of road user charge. Yes, agreed. Uh, there needs to be road pricing. See, uh, Edward Lee and I's chat a long time ago about that. And a higher tax on polluting private jets could raise two billion quid a year. So that, again, that's that's peanuts. But peanuts, if you're if you're spending ten billion quid a year, then that's useful. But you don't have you don't have to make the money that you don't have to raise the ten billion a year to spend the ten billion a year. It doesn't work like that. Um, so fine. Uh, politically, it often does, but reality, economically, it does not. Anyway. Da, 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 da. What else? How many jobs will public transport fit for climate emergency create? Many. I'm going to jump through this because I, I, I know that it's a good thing and it will create lots of jobs. There's no need for me to, to kind of go into the details. But they're saying indirectly and directly, that's nearly 2 million jobs for the rail capital investment. That's an enormous amount of extra jobs. Fab. Uh, for the for tram and bus. And uh, let's see. Uh, in total, that's about a million extra jobs for tram and bus. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good number of jobs. It's, it's good stuff. And they, they've kind of broken down estimations of jobs because that's important. Jobs are good. Um, you know, these you know, public transport, those are high, they're, they're high value jobs. Those people count as key workers. They're, they're absolutely high value jobs. They're high skill jobs. It's good stuff. Lots and lots of jobs for people to do. Jobs that people can have for life. They're the kind of jobs that we want in a low carbon uh, society. Uh, da, 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 da. public transport the green recovery so yes fine we can dizzle, dizzle our way through this fine so it's talking about economic benefits yes we know all this stuff but it's there so again i'm not going to dither on this but it's like yes this is here for any of you wanting to reference parts of this um whether you, you know are creating threads for greens for hs2 because i know some of you in here do that sort of thing um whether you're doing whatever it, that's not me by the way i mean people in the chat i know people in the chat do that um all the sorts of things th 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 this report has that information really nicely there's social benefits as well uh you know reductions in deprivation uh, employment access um yeah changing jobs um people that don't actually have access to a car one fifth of all households who don't have access to a car which is rising to 35 percent in the lower income brackets actually it's it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people who don't have access to a car. Public transport is good for that. Um, yeah, it's a pretty old report. I, I, I'm sure there's newer reports identifying that two out of five job seekers couldn't get a job due to lack of transport. Um, access to hospitals, access to supermarkets, all these things. Um, there we are. Regeneration through the Ebbo Vale in South Wales is a case study. Lovely. Obviously, there's major productivity benefits of this investment. Tom Forth, I must have input, inputted into this section because... Is hot on this stuff uh, by uh, so there's some, some good data in there that I dare say Tom will have picked up uh, and, and helped provide. Um, it's just good. It's a good idea. There is no reason. There's no economic. There's no financial. There is no reason not to do this. This is the wild thing. Um, necessary in co uh, conditions to maximise investment impact. Uh, so obviously this is the the, the the TUC saying that you know 
make public transport public, fine, agree, change the governance of it, re-regulate it, all this sort of really important stuff. Bus deregulation is a complete disaster. So good, it's talking about some of this stuff. Lots of, and it's very wordy, this section. Uh, comparison of public transport trips per capita and population density in nine English combined authorities and six European regions. Oh, look. Uh, oh, not very good in the English combined authorities. So, so this is, sorry, population density. These are, so lots of very population dense parts of the of, uh, places in the UK. Um, and public transport trips remaining very low. This is not good. And then London is up here. It's gross population density and uh, it has high pu population, uh, sort of high uh, public transport trips. That's what that graph shows there, if that's useful. The economic return on bus capital spend is incredible. It's like five times. Yeah, thanks, Zandovich. Yeah, absolutely. Um, change to the appraisal system. Yeah, overhaul the transport appraisal system. Yes, burn web tag. <laughs> This is a burn it, burn web tag. I haven't tweeted that for a while, but burn web tag. It's the, the UK transport appraisal guidelines. They're rubbish. So that's interesting. So change the transport appraisal guidelines. Um, plenty in there for us to look at. Road user charging. Yep. So road pricing, absolutely critical. Um, as of January 2023, the UK government are yet to respond to the committee's report. Um Oh, interesting. Oh, this is the road user charging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they just ignored the response, which is, which is rubbish. Yeah, that's right. Um, the House of Commons Transport Committee, I don't, that's a bit of a weird title. I think that's because they did a report on road pricing. Um, anyway, so fine. Uh, conclusions. Well, the conclusions are kind of saying do more public transport. So um, we need to shift over 47 billion um, car driver passenger kilometers a year to public transport by 2030. Uh, to shift this amount of car use to public transport requires an increase of around 120% in bus, in, in, in let's call it on-street urban transport, and around 80% in rail passenger kilometres compared to pre-COVID levels. So yeah, so that is basically looking like the, the figure I give of doubling rail tra rail rail usage by, um, by, by the middle of the century. But actually, they're saying this is by 2030 to 2035, which is very soon. Um, to increase patronage to levels that are necessary to address the climate emergency, we require additional operating expenditure estimated around seven and a half billion per year for buses, 0.5 billion per year for, okay, so eight billion for urban on-street urban transit and 11 billion for trains. Good, rightly so. That means lots more public transport. Uh, that's the whole point. We have to do this stuff. We've, our public trans you know, suburban transport in the UK is rubbish, and this is how you fix it. Um, and quite a lot of other stuff, as we discussed, lots of other things talking about jobs, the required capital expenditure. Um, there's, there's, there's developing tram systems, fine. Um, lots of high-skilled jobs in there. Good public transport is not a nice-to-have, but a climate imperative, absolutely. Climate emergency means we need to make the right thing to do, the easy thing to do. Yeah, lots of lovely quotes in there from the TUC, marvellous. And then we've got the um, the appendices. Oh, that's not so bad. Eight minutes to go in the episode. Um, so there's lots of appendices. Again, a nice collection of lots and lots of data. Um, so... To answer the question, which we will in a minute when I bring thoughts up, yeah, lots of benefits here. Uh, every £1 spent on bus operation generates three quid. Every £1 spent on bus infrastructure generates up to £6.80 in the wider economy. Yeah, Xander, this is exactly what you're saying. Here it is. Um, uh, fine, lots of stuff. What's this? Sorry, I'm bouncing around. Um, yeah, every journey on the Northeast Metro and local rail generates £8.50 in the wider economy. This is like a key one. This is what we are talking about, Beeching, by getting rid of suburban, trans suburban rail transport, this is what he screwed up is the fact that you generate the most return from urban and suburban rail transport, like the Tannenweir Metro, which isn't a metro. It's a light metro, sort of, except that it isn't. It's light suburban rail. Anyway, but it's very valuable. <laughs> it's very valuable to the economy. Um, lots and lots of stuff here. Um, talking about changes needed. Um, lovely. Very nice. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's really nice and useful. Uh, talking about cost of lift, so fine. There's this kind of the analysis. It's the regional summary. So these are the regional summaries. So they go through each of the regional summaries. I'm flicking through quickly to look away if you've got if you're photosensitive. Uh, then there's the appendix looking at assumptions and methodology. So that's all in there if you want to dig that out. Um, and then uh, talking about trams in an appendix. The impact of COVID. Well, uh, I've talked quite a bit about this, and we'll revisit this again uh, from that paper that we that that. Um, that we're going to look through at some point. There's a paper. There's a paper that's being updated with COVID trends. So we're going to look back at that. Cost of riding a bus to every village, every hour by region. That's a, a kind of the CPRE did that. So that's the there's the costs in there, and uh, the RNEP pipeline schemes by region. Except that they're not really. So there's a whole list. There's a list in here that's kind of like 
unclear, unfunded. Guess guess at what all this stuff is. So there's there's a lot of stuff in terms of project funding, and then they've kind of allocated some level of uh, yeah. Anyway, um, and then published studies on rail and capital costs. So again, there's some good. There's some really good. Here we are. So this is looking at different studies, looking at doing different things in kind of, kind of the rail reopening, so campaign for better transport, transforming local. Yeah, lots of good stuff in terms of different reports that we can actually pick through, look through if you want to. Um, at, at what we need to do and the best costs of the different schemes. So, you know, um, various estimates of the cost. Fine. Uh, there they all are. You can see the breakdown. So again, it's a very useful report for this stuff, um, which is well worth going. And then the, all the end notes. Lots and lots of end notes. Um, there we go. Tom at the top of the list there. Anyway, marvellous. Lots and lots of references. So this is great for this reason. Lots of good references. Lots of good documentation to back up basically everything that we say in Rail Matterland. Um, and that that is that's the report. What that is the report. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, I, I know I whizzed through that and I didn't like super dwell on the detail, but I don't think I need to. I want to keep this to an hour. Um, it's a good report. There's lots of good stuff in there. It's just kind of continued to back up what what we said. It's making me think that I need to dig into some of those things and look at what those different projects actually look like. I'm curious if, if the carbon ben, uh, carbon savings are costing the benefits or not, Jack. Yeah, we can uh, have a look through the TEC report yourself and and, and tell me because I, I have to wrap up now. I'm afraid. Uh, Castlefield Corridor mentioned exclamation marks to David Frankel. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, send your questions. Uh, I, I'm, is it Ina or Ina? Forgive me for the pronunciation. Uh, I'm going to go with Ina because that's probably the phonetic way of saying it. Ina, uh, do you think that devolution of transport and works orders to the devolved nations command authorities is necessary to achieve uh, to even achieve our plans? As you said, we need more devolution. Yes, TWO is a really bad way to deliver major infrastructure. Um, the trouble with that is that is because that's another reason to get rid of the royal family, because the royal family have royal prerogative over everything, and the TWO has to exist so that the royal family can say no to stuff. So, obviously, we, you know, guillotines and bonfires and stuff. Um we have to just take that power away from them. I don't care whether we whether we depose them, incinerate them, or just politely say you you have absolutely no power anymore. You just exist to be a thing for historic reasons. No matter how we do it, we need to. Uh, Ina, thank thanks. Sorry, Ina. Uh, forgive me, uh, but I did get it right when I said it. So hooray, partly. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, TWAO should be devolved and it should have no involvement in the royal family. If you get rid of the royal family involvement, it means it doesn't have to be held by central UK Parliament, which means that it can go to the regions and just be done regionally. Um, yes. Um, Jack Elliott talking about uh, spatial planning. It'd be nice for them to have touched on enabling new housing. Yeah, they're often separated sectorally, which is a shame because they, the spatial planning is critical. Uh, we need to get someone on to talk about housing, don't we? We really need to get someone who's a specialist in housing to, to come in and talk about housing and transport because it's something I really care about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, right. Um, other questions? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, oh, that's, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's, let, us, let us press on with... Um, uh, I'll get my big face up as well, actually, and say, um, okay, do send questions. I'll pick up questions just at the very end, as ever. So hang about for the questions at the end. Do send them in now. Uh, let's get on with this, and then I can finish up. So, uh, audio-only listeners, thank you very much for... Um, thanks for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you along. Um, uh, hopefully this will be... I know that the, the audio version ends up being quite a few days late. Often it's like four or five days late, but it just kind of happens when I have a chance to be on my PC, which is not that often uh, at the moment because i'm at work or i'm looking after a baby because uh, you know she's a delight anyway um right so oh the only people thanks for listening please do drop a review or put stars or whatever the different systems are within each thing um to to operate rail natter and see if we can get onto some league tables possibly uh Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis, the usual plugs. Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis to support this happening. Uh, PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis abuse change. Gareth Dennis.uk slash Discord for the Discord, where this sort of thing is happening. I am not ignoring the thread on uh, not a metro sort of suggestions. We will get back to it um, for, for episodes two through eight. Um, and the Teespring merch. Uh, Gareth Dennis.uk slash merch will take you to the shop. Um, the We've Got This Sorted uh, merch. The hoodie... I've, I've I've unlisted that one for now because the hoodie I got, it's not the text isn't clear enough for you to use the sorter, so I need to think about that. Um, I think it might be okay for some of the other merch, but if you've ordered it and 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 you can't read it, um, 
well, you've got the sorter on there, so you can kind of vandalize it with a felt pen or something um, for now. Uh, I, I will have a look at that. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to know exactly what the quality of the of the printout is. It might be that I create a... I, I'll have a think about it. Uh, thoughts in the Discord, anyway. Chop me thoughts. Feel free to at me in the Discord, by the way. I know it's a rule to not at me and expect... A, you can at me, you may not get a response. Uh, but you, you can at me, folks. I don't mind. Um, right. What else do I have to say? Oh, next week's episode. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, next week's episode, 164. Should you go fast or slow over a collapsed rail bridge? This video was funny. Uh, we're going to go into some physics. Uh, to what level will I manage to pull a detailed physics lesson uh, into the episode? Or will we kind of just end up with a big face chat um, where I talk about things and, and others if you have your own thoughts? Who knows? We'll give some examples of f videos where trains have gone over bridges like this. We'll talk about it. There's this video, which is of, of a Spanish train, I think, going over a collapsed bridge. I don't know why they did this, but they did it slow. And a lot of people are saying they should just go fast. And then I got into a big discussion about it. So um, we're going to... Uh, we are going to go through that. That should be fun. I'm going to go big face. That's next week. Um, everyone, uh, let's let's go through some questions. Yeah, the Toby's tightrope episode. Exactly, Tom. Yeah. Um, Adam Evans, question from earlier. Uh, would ripping up the old electrification in the southeast lead to some form of capacity increase due to trains being able to accelerate quicker on 25 kV? Yes and no. I don't think that's a good idea because of the amount of people it required to replace that. It, it, okay, cost, forget, forget cost, but the number of engineers you'd need. We just don't have the electrification engineers to deliver the electrification in the southeast where, where there's third rail and do the rest of the country. So no, 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 let's let's just stick with what we've got in that case uh, and just make trains lighter so they can accelerate more quickly. Um, Thomas Gray, uh, joined late. Was there anything on interaction with freight? There was a couple of freight case studies, but there wasn't a huge amount about moving HGV goods. It was mostly about passenger journeys. So there wasn't as much in there about freight as I'd like. It'd be interesting to know what, yeah, there's clearly a gap there in terms of an assessment about what, what extra freight we need. Uh, David Frankel, uh, where does that 40 million per kilometre guesstimate for light rail come from? Uh, is that including stops, rolling stock and everything? I think it is, yes, including all uh, everything. 40 million per, per kilometre, that seems to sit right for me, actually, on, on the basis of what I've seen for, for tram projects across the UK. That that looks about right from my uh, numbers. So, yeah, it's, it's about twice the cost of um of rail per kilometer per single track kilometer um uh, rural rail yeah uh, da, 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 da. Uh, thomas gray thoughts on discontinuous electrification um it's bad don't do it <laughs> it's, don't do don't do discontinuous electrification um adam mortimer uh, i wonder what the likelihood of proper top-down investment towards a better transport system even under a labor government would be i'm not optimistic I'm using all the thumb screws I have at my d uh, disposal to ensure that we have a public transport positive uh, transport secretary. But the reality is, it's not the DFT who have that power. It is Treasury, and Rachel Reeves is not filling me with confidence. Um, I think there's some optimism there, but not as much as there ought to be. What specific areas of East Midlands need more rail? All of it. Good God, all of it. Um the, the the middle main line is hopelessly saturated with with mixed traffic, so you just do not get the best capacity there. Um, uh, Nottingham hasn't got enough rail capacity. It's a you know, and the East Midlands is, rail is good in the East Midlands, particularly because it's quite it's quite it's quite a high population, but quite disparate low density population area. So rail you need rail more than buses although buses are very good in nottingham for example um 18 billion is only double the 9 billion for the lower thames crossing absolutely uh tim davis asked do i think housing and transport should go hand in hand more uh be slash be the default yes absolutely i do ruben jelly really really enjoy your videos any ideas for hst towards the southwest liked your video on welsh alignment and thought you may have suggestions for getting for, for high speed lines down to the southwest yes the future episode on what Britain's ultimate high-speed rail network should look like will be soon. It will be soon. And we will answer your question, Ruben, in that episode. Um, uh, yes, uh, with Newton Viaduct, it's very noticeable how much freight is now on the East Coast mainline overnight. Yeah, I'll bet it is. Right, uh, the episode must draw to a close. I'm going to weigh vigorously. Everyone, thanks so much for joining. Uh, it's a pleasure, as always. I'll see you next time where we talk about trains falling down ravines and stuff. Uh, going over bridges and bangs and all sorts of physics and good fun. Um, I'm going to wave vigorously uh, while I shout uh, 
trans rights and human rights uh and um all the money from this which is now i think about 80 quid will be going to um all that going to the the york lgbt forum so there you go anyway right i'm with he's waving cheerio cheerio